Will Toronto rental prices increase by 11% this year? Find out on today's episode. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in to the True Condos Podcast, as always. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Ben Myers. Ben's been on the show a number of times one of the top experts in the Toronto condo market for many, many years. And Ben has recently done a report in partnership with rentals.ca. That's a website for rental properties. And they have a lot of data there that Ben has analyzed and looked at and come out with predictions for rental prices across Canada. So this one's been getting a lot of play in the media over the past week or so with the headline being that they're predicting based on their data from their website that rental prices in Toronto are set to increase by 11% this year. So obviously great news to hear things like that for us condo investors. So looking forward to sharing this interview with you from Ben to talk about how he came up with those numbers, what they mean, Um, what the limitations are obviously on the data that he's working with, you know, whenever you're doing this type of analysis, you know, nobody has a perfect full set of numbers for the entire rental market because it is a very fragmented market. So we do the best we can with the data that we have available. And in this case, it's the data from the website rentals.ca. But, you know, that being said, I think the, the, while the forecast is maybe a little bit higher than what others are forecasting for this year, It's certainly not out of line with what we've seen in the past two years of rental increases in Toronto. Certainly it is a good time to be a landlord and it's a good time in particular to be a landlord in a property where your tenant is moving out, who's been there for a few years and you're getting a new tenant in because the rental rates today are much, much higher than they were um, just a few years ago, even, you know, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months ago. If you're looking for a new tenant in your property right now, you're pretty excited because you're getting a raise um, and that's a good thing. But the bottom line is, I'll, I'll let you listen to Ben, but the bottom line, of course, the story continues to be that we have a shortage of properties in this city and we are not meeting demand on the rental side and on the resale side of things. Hence, prices are rising and people are coming into this city more and more people every year, immigration targets moving up and everything else as we talk about all the time on this podcast. So more good news for condo investors, but uh, without further delay, I'll let you hear it from Ben on this interview. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my interview with Ben Myers. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Ben Myers. Ben has been a guest of the podcast many times before, one of the best known real estate analysts in Canada. Ben, it's great to have you back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, so obviously we want to talk about this rentals.ca report that uh, was out this week, and it's gotten a massive amount of coverage. Are you surprised? Maybe I'll start with that. Are you surprised with the amount of uh, media coverage that this report has gotten? A lot of people talking about it. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, rentals.ca and, and I kind of partnered on uh, doing a national rent report. Um, and we thought, hey, you know, it's coming up to the end of the year. Let's let's do a forecast. Let's kind of kind of throw that in there. And so I, you know, looked back at at the listings over the last, you know, two years on their on their website, and and just essentially did a 
you know, a linear trend line and kind of, and kind of looked at that moving forward. And, and, and it was really kind of like the last, you know, graph that I put on there. And then, and then rentals.ca decided, Hey, you know, let's, let's turn this into a larger blog. Let's talk to some, uh, you know, some other people across the country. And, uh, and so when we put our, put our press release out, we didn't even put it on the wire. You know, I just had our, um, you know, our, our PR team send it out to a few people, but, um, you know, they, it, uh, it kind of blew up, you know, it's, on city city TV and on uh, on uh, global news and on CBC and and uh, so we've just been contacted CNN by is yeah, yeah no 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 <laughs> CNN yeah yeah no no Wolf Blitzer or anyone has called yet but um, yeah I mean uh, we try to make our our forecast as as accurate as possible and and funny thing is it'll probably be a a decline from you know the 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 level of uh, of rent increases in uh, um, on a percentage basis as, as, uh, as 2018. Right. So, I mean, the biggest thing uh, picking up on is, uh, is this 11% uh, prediction for Toronto, 11% rent growth in 2019, which mm-hmm. that's what everybody's talking about. Everybody's buzzing about. Um, it's interesting, like you said, because that's actually down from what the rental increases have been for the last couple of years. Um, so it is, it's almost like, uh, you know, why wasn't anybody, you know, interested in, in these rental numbers a year ago, two years ago? Um, and now suddenly you're saying, yeah, they're going to keep going up. But it looks like, according to our data, that go up a little bit less than it has been. And suddenly people. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's been, you know, like I, I've mentioned a thousand times, several factors that have, that have gone into this, this rent spike. You know, we we got the same amount of of, of completions essentially as we had the, the last couple of years in and around you know eighteen to twenty thousand um, you know apartment completions. I'm talking about. Um, we have you know we had the stress test come in, which was was huge. Uh, you know, and interest rate increases, so it kind of pushed people out of the ownership market. We had this market correction that happened in um, uh, in 2017 and. And it just scared some people, right? It definitely scared some people who said, you know, I'm, I, you know, maybe I'm not going to buy because this could, this could, uh, you know, this could happen to me. So I don't want to. Uh, maybe I'll just rent for longer. Uh, and then there's obviously the the other major factor was rent control, where you know causes people to stay in their units longer, and it reduces the number of uh, listings at any one time. So it causes you know an allocation problem. Um, like I said, there may there may be. You know, you, you, I use the example of like a um, like a T-shirt, right? Like you went to the store and there may be 10 T-shirts, but if they're all double XL and you're a medium, well, then you're going to overbid on the medium, right? You're not going to buy a double XL because it doesn't fit or it's, you know, or, or it's too expensive, right? Uh, and, and, and getting back to the real estate term, the double XL may be the, the three-bedroom unit. So you don't need a three-bedroom unit. You need the small unit. That's the one you can afford, but have to slightly overpay for it because that's the only one that's out there and available, right? So that's I think this is the hardest part for people to understand uh, is if there's less supply in the marketplace. Um, even if the the number of apartments are the same, but if there's any there's less of them available at any one time, then it's going to cause a misallocation problem and, and cause um, essentially bidding wars. And we we've seen that if you look at the MLS data, there's several areas that are. Uh, and, and buildings that are, you know, leasing for 103, 104% of the list price. So kind of, kind of unbelievable growth. Yeah. So, um, 
Now, obviously, there's limitations to any uh, uh, analysis and any data set that you're looking at when you're doing these sorts of predictions and things. And every uh, study is going to be slightly different in how it's done. But and so you're going to get different results. So some people are looking at the report and some people are saying, you know, these these numbers are high. Uh, we think maybe the numbers might be lower than that. Like what are what are sort of the um, what are sort of the other factors to consider as we are going into 2019 that uh, could make this prediction of 11% come to pass or not? Like, are you, what sorts of things are you going to be watching in 2019 moving forward to see how it actually plays out in reality? Yeah. I mean, obviously supply is a big one. Uh, we're expecting more, you know, apartment completions in, in 2019 than we had in 2018, but you know, as as someone that has watched this number very, very closely, there's been so many years where we forecasted huge amounts of completions and construction was delayed and those buildings didn't get completed on time and those rental units or those resale units never never came to came to pass, right? Then any forecast, you know, one friggin' bomb gets dropped in the Middle East and that changes everything, right? You know, uh, Trump does something that, uh, you know, throws off the balance of the global economics and, you know, it, 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 all these things change in a, in a second, right? You can never uh, take into consideration all factors, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so supply is, is definitely something to watch. Um, you know, there was, uh, you know, the, 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 the latest news from the Bank of Canada seems like they may not be raising interest rates at least to the to the fall and maybe not at all in 2019 and some people are even calling for a potential cut so maybe they if they reduce interest rates and that will um you know uh, incent people to get back into the ownership market if we uh, you know if we see some softness in pricing maybe that you know maybe that gets people in or maybe we see some increases and that encourages people to say okay now the market's um, you know, the market's back, maybe I'll get back into to buying low rise or, or something like that. So there's, you know, there's always, uh, you know, several factors that uh, can impact the market. One of the, you know, another huge one could be if they, if they change the stress test, if they made it a, a plus one or a, or a plus 50 basis points instead of uh, uh, two, right? And that could certainly change the, uh, the balance of ownership versus rental. So, you know, a million different factors. And again, I'm working off a, uh, uh, a data set that that can be skewed and again you know this is maybe more than your audience cares about but i'm looking at asking rents uh in my in the rentals.ca versus um uh, actual rent so um so it, it suffers from what's called survivorship bias so um you know that doesn't get leased because it's overpriced stays on the market until the next month um, and, uh, and so it, it, it skews the data upwards, right? So, um, so there's a potential that the, the information and the, and the numbers that we're reporting in terms of averages are slightly skewed higher because of that, uh, that process. But again, I'm, you know, I'm not a, uh, a PhD statistician, so, um, you know, I, I, I can't tell you completely how much, uh, how inaccurate the numbers are in, um, in comparison to the entire stock of vacated units uh, but we feel it's a pretty good sample size right right and at the end of the day i mean people's eyeballs are jumping off the page at 11 percent. but again it's, it's it's this is what we've been seeing for the past two years this is you know to, to a lot of people it seems to be news but to those of us who are in the business and who who are 
gone to investors. We know this to be true for, you know, not just at this moment, but for the last, this has been going on for two years. In other words, you know, double digit rental increases compared to, you know, and you've been tracking this for more than a decade. Like what would you say is sort of, you know, what, what's been the normal rental increases? Like this is abnormal. Like what typically has been the normal rental increase to be expected over time in Toronto? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think back of what the year I actually, I, I started the, the urban rental report when I, when I was at Urbanation. Um, you know, it might have been in around 2010 and, and, you know, rent increases were, you know, 2 to 4% a year. And then when we got to 2015, and there was, you know, depending on your, your, your data source, 25 to 30,000 condo apartments got completed that year, which is, which was based off of the, you know, super strong year that we had in 2011 at, you know, 28,000 pre-construction sales. That all came to, came to close in, in, in 2015. We saw some flatness in rent, you know, uh, um, even some declines on, um, uh, on an absolute basis. On the per square foot basis, it never went into to decline. Um, but on an absolute basis, it actually declined year over year um, at one point in time. So again, you know, supply comes onto the market, it, it depresses the, the level of rent. So, you know, after, you know, the second half of 2012 was, was a very poor year for pre-construction sales. 2013 was really the, essentially the worst year over the last decade for pre-construction sales. 2014 was a little bit better. And then 2015, it became hot again, right? So what was being completed in 2013? 2016 and 2017 was based off of the second half of 2012, 2013, and early 2014, where there wasn't as many projects. So that, you know, essentially caused this these rents to go up to five, six, seven, and even, you know, the last quarter on a per square foot basis, uh, urbanization numbers just came out this morning, 11.3% growth <laughs> in rents on a per square foot basis. And this is this is across the entire GTA. So the rentals.ca forecast is only for the former city of Toronto and also includes not only condominium apartments, but purpose-built uh, rental apartments and single family uh, homes and, and townhomes, right? So the numbers can be skewed a little bit by the fact that, you know, there's a you know home in the beach for rent for, you know, Four thousand eight hundred dollars a month, right? We we've yeah. cut out the five, we've cut out the five thousand and above um, uh, uh, lease rates, but I mean, there's there's stuff in the beaches for you know nine thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars a month, right? You know, it's it's it's, it's crazy, but we try to eliminate the short term ones and and the furnished units, uh, but again, it's not always easy to uh, to eliminate those things, so. Yeah, I mean the the, the growth. I think um, you know if we if we take an average over time is probably you know four to five percent for for condo apartments. But yeah, the last few years has just been outsized growth because of you know this huge huge population growth, solid solid job growth, and and you know we're, we have we're we're experiencing this kind of shift where less affluent people are moving out and more affluent people are moving in and, and that's changing the balance as well. Right. Um, Can you dive a little bit more into that? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting, you know, immigrants that are, that are skilled um, and that are, that are coming to Toronto and, and uh, getting tech jobs and, and getting high incomes. Right. And, and the folks that are, that can't afford the city are, Moving to out to Barrie, and they're moving to Hamilton, and they're moving to 
Cambridge and they're looking for, you know, more affordable places to live where they may not have a, a job that has an upward trajectory, right? You know, I know that, you know, my wife works for the government, right? So the, you know, the wages that they pay in Toronto are, you know, similar to what they would pay to, to do the exact same job in Windsor, right? And so, you know, you could buy a single detached home for 200000 out there, right? Whereas, you know, good luck trying to find something under a million bucks, you know, anywhere in the, in the city of Toronto. Right, right. Yeah, and that's that's something that comes up a lot with people in conversation. The, the the question of, you know, people look at the price of, like you say, a million dollar, you know, simple house in Toronto. It's like people would say, you know, say, who is buying these houses? Who can afford this? Um, but there, there's a, there's sort of, I don't know what you'd call it officially, but like a historical bias where you're, you're sort of thinking about how it was back in the day or when it, when you grew up or you know, whatever your frame of reference is from the past, but not realizing, like you said, that the buyer of today is not the buyer of yesterday. Um, the people who are entering the market today, of course, they are different from the, the people who were 20, 30 years ago because the prices are exponentially higher. They have to be in order just to qualify for these mortgages. So the properties are being sold at these prices. People are buying them. Therefore, uh, you know, the it, it follows that the, you know, people are making more and more money essentially in the city that the new buyers coming in, which are a small percentage of the overall total real estate market of all properties, um, are, you know, the, the buyer, the marginal buyers, I guess you could say are, are much more affluent than the existing buyers from, you know, that are all from the, from last year and last decade. Yeah, I mean, we always, you know, people always want to make the comparison and to look at the incomes versus the, um, you know, that the house right. prices. But Average income. You know, yeah, you're, 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 you're comparing 100% of the, the people in the sample of, of incomes versus, you know, the people that are buying in Toronto are now only like 50% of the population or less, right? So you got to take what's the top 50% of, of people buying. And then on top of that, add to the fact that, a lot of them have affluent parents that are, you know, bought a house for $20,000 and that house is now worth $1.4 million, right? Like it's right. just bananas to think about, right? Um, that are happy to, to gift their, their kids. And, but even if, you know, you're a situation like, like me, I hardly had any money to put down and then my condo went up and then I, you know, leveraged that to buy a, a townhome and now that townhome's doubled in price, right? So, I could technically go out and try to buy a, a larger single family home, but I, I don't need it. I love where I live and I'm not going to overstretch myself just to, you know, to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, but, you know, because the real estate market is appreciated, it's allowed me to build this huge equity. And, and certainly that's happened across, um, across the entire GTA. So the people that didn't get in are, you know, uh, they haven't built that equity and they, and, and obviously they say, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if, if you if you rent and you invest, well, you know, not everyone's very good at investing, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I've I've essentially invested in in real estate where I'm my I'm the landlord, um, and it's a uh, it's uh, tax free for <laughs> for the for the for the equity, right? So um, so I feel good about that 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 uh, that investment. I I my 
you know, I align very well with my landlord, you know, and, and what we want to do with the property. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what I, what's what I always like to tell people, right? Just be your own landlord. Then you're always aligned with, with what the landlord wants to do. Right. right. Good point. Um, let's shift gears, talk about uh, the resale market uh, as you see it, like the whole resale market in Toronto. So the numbers are now out for 2018 for the Toronto real estate board and the total number of transactions in 2018, just slightly above the low point of 2008 in terms of total volume of sales. So down dramatically from 2016 the peak, 2017 went down again, 2018 went down again. Um, I know this is something that I'm interested in tracking closely. I wonder how closely you're, you're looking at this and um, how you sort of interpret the fact that we have this growing population every year in the GTA, massive growth, immigration coming in, but yet the number of transactions are down dramatically to a point where they were similar uh, 10 years ago. Um, how do you interpret that? Like, do you see a, a, a big problem brewing? Do you see a lot of pent up demand? Is this all just a stress test rearing its ugly head? Like, how do you look at those numbers and where do you sort of see things going in the next few years? Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many different factors that are impacting the market, but I think, yeah, the stress test is, is, is certainly the biggest thing that happened. Um, a lot of people that were, that are in condominiums would love to move up to uh you know, a single detached or, or a townhome, but they find that the, you know, they can't qualify for the one that they want. Right. So, so okay, I guess we got to save and, and, and uh, keep going. And there's been, obviously there's been this flatness in the market and everyone thinks, Oh, oh maybe let's just wait a little bit longer and, you know, maybe it'll come down a little bit farther. There's always, you know, that factor that's, that's, uh, you know, that's impacting things. Um, you know, this uh, huge, immig huge immigration that's coming in, but, you know, a lot of people are, are uh, these boomers are holding on to their homes, right? They don't want to move down. Um, uh, they don't want to move out of the GTA. They like where they live. And, uh, you know, the other options for them are, there's just not a lot of them, right? So, you know, I was just, I've seen a little bit more success, um, you know, lately with larger new condominiums, you know, just looking at like the waterfront, you know, some of the stuff Tridel's doing on the waterfront. They sold a bunch of big units at their Oberge project, um, which I was uh, I was a little shocked to see some of the the end selling prices on some of those units that they they sold up there. So there's a little bit of that happening, but I think for the most part, you know, people are staying where they're at. So it's just not the homes the homes to buy. And uh, and then again, you know, when you have a major correction in the market, you know, pricing went from on average nine twenty whatever it was in April of 2017, and you know, a few months later, it's 7:30. I think that just that scares people, right? They don't want to, you know, lose their entire, you know, down payment, right? So they're just going to be cautious and, until they start to see consistent growth month over month uh, of pricing going up, and they feel a little more confident in that investment. So until we start to see that, I don't think you're going to see a huge uh, increase in the market. And again, you know, we keep getting told, getting told, well, you know, speculators are are driving this market. Well. You know, when prices aren't going up, speculators aren't speculators don't buy, <laughs> right? And that's that's the point that I always try to make. But speculators don't make pricing goes up. Something makes pricing goes up, which causes speculators to get in, right? right. So um, we got to look at what's the initial source of drives 
um, um, uh, pricing to go up. So, um, so I think, you know, if if uh, if interest rates get cut again, or if there's a change to the to the mortgage stress test, then we'll probably see transactions start to go up again, and and you know maybe we'll see the speculators uh, and 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 uh, uh, back into the market again. Where do you see condo prices going this year? Obviously, rental prices. We talked about that. You see them going up 11 percent or thereabouts. Um, where do you see the resale condo market uh, in 2019? Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, you know, probably in the three to four percent growth rate. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. Uh, it just has to be a slowdown after you know what we experienced in 2017. And, and and I mean prices continue to go up in, in 2018, which was which was definitely shocking. But again, it's you know people being pushed down the ladder. You know, uh, people that normally would have considered buying a townhome or a, or a single detached just couldn't afford it, and so they they chose to buy a larger um, condominium apartment instead, um, or not buy at all. Right. So um, so I, I I definitely see that kind of um, small level of growth moving forward. And I think that will, uh, part of that growth is going to be um, just compositional, right? We're going to get these more completions. These completions are coming in at values that are a lot higher than what's in the market. So that's, that's going to pull up. So, um, you know, same, if I was to look at same sample, um, you know, maybe one to 2%, but overall probably three to 4% because of the new supply that's coming on. Interesting. So yeah, that's you're you're looking at a dramatic uh, slowdown compared to what has been in the past. Sort of a more return to historical norms for the yeah, just kind of getting you know, slightly ahead of the inflation rate. That's kind of what I I see for 2019, and and I think the low rise is going to be the same. So right, um, and like you said, there's so many factors that go into it: the stress test and everything else, and 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 this could change. But based on where we're at right now, that's that's what you're seeing. Um, the other big story that we've watched over the past couple of years is the gap between house prices and condo prices, sort of low rise market and high rise market. The, the gap reached a record high, uh, you know, around 2016, I believe. And then we saw houses have sort of flattened out or come down and condos of course have absolutely soared in the last, you know, 24 months. Um, and so the gap is much smaller between a, a condo and a house today than it was a couple of years ago. Do you think at some point as well, like that is a, a factor where people say, you know what, uh, it's time to buy a house instead of a condo just because the, the gap has shrunk? Yeah, I mean, that, this one's always hard to predict, right? I think, you know, 2016 and 2017 what I call ground oriented or low rise housing was, was definitely influenced too much by investors, right? They saw pricing go up dramatically. They came in and bought because it's, it's hard to make those numbers pencil. It's hard to, it's hard to, you know, buy a single family home and make that be cash flow positive, right? Because people are willing to pay a significant uh, premium to own a right. single family home versus rent it because it's typically families and they want to be close to their school and their, and their jobs and their, uh, you know, all those, and all the, you know, the, the skating rank and the gym, you know, and all that type of stuff. So we put a little bit more premium on it. Um, so we've seen that premium kind of come off as, as pricing went down and, and speculators kind of realized that that, um, you know, once the, once the, uh, the price growth goes away, then there's not much there in terms of, uh, 
investment. Um, but I think, you know, just getting around the GTA is impossible, right? I, you know, I walk to work now. I've, I've talked about that a lot on, on Twitter and how fantastic that is. And, you know, essentially gain an hour in my day of, of work, which is, uh, which is important. But I just can't imagine living in Newmarket and trying to get downtown, right? And it's just yeah. only going to get worse, right? Uh, you know, they talk about adding lanes to the highway, but that, you know, as we know, that just causes induced demand. It just makes people more people drive until it's just as jammed as jammed up as it was before, right? You have to add like 20 lanes unless it would, <laughs> until it would have any meaningful difference in 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 commuting times, right? So, so I mean, I, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, where that where that relationship is going. Um, uh, I think the preference still is for. You know, people to have their piece of dirt, to have their backyard, to have a, um, you know, to be a, uh, enter from the ground level, to have the, the parking, two parking spaces out front. It just, it makes, it makes life easier um, for people who have families, who have babies and have groceries and have uh, dogs to walk and strollers and, you know, all that type of stuff. So I still think there's going to be a huge demand for that, that product type, but, you know, they're just, there's just not, we're not building any more of it, right? The only stuff that we're building is out in the verbs and, and, and obviously we've seen how poorly the sales have gone over the last year and a half for, for, uh, for that type of product, right? So um, I still think it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it, will, it will hold its value, um, you know, in, in the long term. People get, people always get confused by long-term trends and short-term trends, right? Uh, you know, well, pricing just went down a lot, so well, I guess you know single-family homes aren't desirable as they as they as you make them out to be. I'm like, yes, they are. Look at the long term, right? Uh, look at the long term um, trend line versus the short term trend line. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, like you said, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, people want what they want. Most people are always going to want and prefer uh, low-rise type of of housing, but uh, you know, all things being equal, but uh, we're just not building it anymore. Um, there's just no supply in that, you know, the new supply is shifting more and more and more towards high rise. So yeah, long-term, uh, uh, low rise will be fine. Absolutely. But long-term low rise will continue to become more and more unaffordable for most people. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see this. I'm glad to see the condo developers are starting to cater their projects to, you know, people with families putting in like kids rooms and a, a Lego playroom and, you know, stroller storage and, you know, some different things that are, uh, you know, can attract uh, families to those buildings. And I just hope that the city makes a commitment to um, adding more affordable daycare spaces because that's just, it's just unbelievable, right? At one point, you know, I mean, I took my kids, I live in Toronto, I took my kids to Scarborough for uh, daycare, and it still was costing me more than my mortgage, you know? At one point in time, I was paying $2,300 a month for two kids in daycare, right? So it's, it's yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. So you can yeah. see how being downtown, it's even more expensive. So, um, you know, when I, when I, you know, underneath me, underneath my office is they, uh, they turned retail into uh, a daycare. So I'm, I'm hoping that some of those dead retail spaces that we're seeing in, uh, in response to uh, e-commerce maybe can be repositioned as, as daycares because it seems like we have 
a restaurant or a cafe and, and, and every single <laughs> every single one of these new retail spaces that are coming in. So I mean, I like I like my specialty coffees as much as the next guy, but uh, you know maybe we can we can get some slightly better uses. That's a great point. Yeah, a great business to get into. Daycare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe the, the last question thank you so much for your time today ben last question i'll just pick your brain and hear your thoughts on you touched on it a little bit but where do you see interest rates going this year where where are you at uh which side of the fence are you on in terms of uh are interest rates going up down sideways in 2019 yeah i mean i've been reading the different you know opinions of, of the economists and uh you know, guys that work at credit unions and, and whatnot, trying to get their, their sense of it. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning now to still one rate increase in, you know, the fall of, of 2019. So that's kind of where, you know, I'm thinking it's it's going to go, uh, just 25 basis point increase. So um, I don't think it will have as big an impact um, uh, on the market as, you know, as uh, rate, rate, rate jumps in, uh, in 2018. So. Um, that's a good thing. I think it's it's it, it's stable. Um, and, uh, stability is good for the market. Yeah, yeah, I mean, should, yeah exactly. Expecting big changes—that's instability. If the mar- if they're expecting little to no changes, that brings some stability as well. Uh, yeah, who knows what's who knows what buttons Trump is going to push this year, and and how that will affect things as well. So yeah, I mean the the forecast for GDP growth and job growth and unemployment and and, and immigration and population growth—they're always just changing so so dramatically quarter over quarter. And uh, you know, depending on what source you have, they'll pick out the five negative things, and you talk you'll you'll read someone else, and they picked out the five positive things, right? So it's always hard to, to get a read when. You're, you're, you're taking national information, right? Where you're, you're taking, you're taking, you know, the, the, the energy provinces and they're slumping and then you've got the Ontario and BC and they're booming. And then you've got the Atlantic provinces and they're kind of treading water. It's like, how do you, how do you set policy across a country where, with, with such dramatic swings in, uh, and, uh, in their economies? Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't work for the bank of Canada. That's for sure. Awesome. Good stuff, Ben. Thank you so much. If people want to get a hold of you um, or learn more about uh, what you do, what's the best place for people to do that? Yeah, my website is uh, bullpenconsulting.ca. Um, I have like an email newsletter. I send out some stuff on the rental market. Uh, if if uh, people are interested in the high density land market, I you know I, I look at that as well with my uh, with partner before management. Um, and then you know I'm active on Twitter at Ben Myers two nine. You know, I, I, uh, I try to talk about what I'm seeing and, and my thoughts on the market and you know, share a couple articles here and there. And, and, uh, and that's kind of the way that I communicate with the, uh, communicate with the world. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Ben. And uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Take care, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.